This is Michael Cohen, and you're listening to the Mea Culpa Podcast. Today, we'll be bringing you part two of Mea Culpa Live, recorded at the El Rey Theater in Los Angeles on November 1st, with our guests Jason Van Tattenhove, Harry Littman, and Kathy Griffin. So let's go now to our show. This is my Mea Culpa. Everybody, let's give a big Mia Culpa welcome to our next guest. He's the former Deputy Attorney General uh, of the United States during the Clinton administration, former prosecutor. Today, he is the host of the wildly successful Talking Feds podcast. So let's put your hands together for Harry Littman. So you know it's not every day you get to fuck with a former prosecutor. So for that, I'm gonna put on my glasses because I want to look smart when I'm doing this. I'm not. If you guys have listened, Harry, to thank you for making it. By the way, I appreciate it. That oh, was, you it was bet. A touch and go. Uh, yeah. So I'm. Uh, if you've ever listened, I'm I'm the straight man here in more ways than one. So and my job is to try to make like steam come out of Michael's ears by saying that Merrick Garland is a good guy. So, that, so that's, that's my uh, role in this proceeding, I think. Did you hear me talking to Nicole Wallace the other day? When I didn't I, have to. So I turned around and I had said, <laughs> I said to Nicole, because I do know that Merrick Garland watches the show, as does Joe Biden, and I said, fire Merrick Garland now, appoint me as attorney general, and I will put his ass in handcuffs within 24 hours of taking over because, as I said in my opening, he is guilty of every single thing that he is known to have done, from the tax fraud all the way to the insurrection. And the fact that we have not done that already, you know how that gets me going. I, well, I, I think they now do too. Everyone for this proposal, Cohen is attorney general. Uh, how, how's like deputy assistant attorney general? Like, no, I got, I got to go for it because you, you, you be 24 hours, I want to be that guy. All so right. look, Harry, yeah. all right, everybody knows here that you have your finger on the pulse. So what's really going on, right? I mean, how is this election going to go? What are your predictions, both for the midterms as well as 2024? I mean, do we keep the House and the Senate? And what if election deniers won't accept the outcomes, and then they start to raise hell. What do we do then, Mr. Professor? You, you, want, you want the truth I'm thinking here, huh? Definitely the truth, and nothing but the truth. Okay, um, it's, it's friggin' grim. So the, um, the, the last few weeks, you know, the, the Dems were riding pretty high and counter-history with a kind of watchwords of, Abortion, the Dobbs decision, uh, gun control, and um, uh, democracy. Democracy was on the ballot, and and so, Let's but the last about few. Democracy. Yeah, so I mean, it's not simply that the Republicans have been edging ahead, but that those um, those big topics have lost their like uh, appeal to most of the electorate. You know, you you think. Nothing's more important than democracy that's happening now, but you know how do you actually, um, you know, assess and balance it against? And and here's their big uh, slogans now: um, immigration, inflation, and crime. Like you know, like the, you, you saw the among the sort of scandalous remarks from the Republicans after 
uh, Paul Pelosi is attacked is, well, it's really all about San Francisco, you know, liberal cities and their crime waves, and same thing in New York. And of course, the crime's much worse in, in red cities. Anyway, I am not sanguine about the House. And worse than that, you know, I was just talking, I just had a little thing on, on Talking Fence Day with Bart Gelman, who really has sort of sussed it out. And even if, even if you think guys like McCarthy or Jordan have like a modicum of, political uh, prudence in them if they, if they get into power, the, the, the hydraulics of the whole thing. McCarthy, strangely enough, is basically worried about his right flank and Marjorie Taylor Greene and Jim Jordan will be on judiciary and want the action. And, you know, maybe here's one thing you can agree with them on because they're going to impeach Merrick Garland, I think, and, and possibly Alejandro Mayorkas, possibly Kamala Harris, and, and all Biden, leading to Joe Biden. They right. really, and, and, you know... Uh, uh, Senator Cruz says flat out, oh, it's not justified, but it's payback for Trump. So uh, George Conway, known to almost everyone here, says the Republicans have all been captured by their party now of false equivalencies. You know, that's what you, that is the little problem here. There's nothing to impeach Biden on, and there were many things to impeach your or old boss Or as Kelly on. and Conway used to say, alternative facts. Right. There you have it. Yeah. yeah so anyway, right. I'm not. I thank you. I'm not normally asked my political views, and I, you know, I don't know how much I credit them of you guys, but I don't. I'm, I'm uh, unsettled about it. And then the Senate, in some ways, to me, it matters less. Everyone's focused on, it, and I understand because of the need to get judges through. Um, and I'm from Pennsylvania. I listened to that debate like a, you know, like a mom with her child on in a third grade play. It was just, it was hard. And I'm worried about its impact on on Fetterman and you know, Doctor Oz, Herschel Walker. Why why are these even questions? But anyway, the big thing is if the if they take the House and the odds are good. They can't do any legislation. They don't want to do any legislation anyway. All they're going to do is investigate, make trouble, impeach. It might be, you know, how many times in the last seven years has it been like, well, now at least we're done with this shit. You know, January 6th, at least we're done with this shit. And it looks like, you know, the next two years could be as ugly as we've seen. And every single time we try to bring up something that Trump has done, and we're not bringing it up saying, oh, well, maybe he did this. No, we're talking about documentary evidence. We're talking about testimony. We're talking about watching it on television and hearing it ourselves. The first thing that the Republicans come back with. Well, what about Hunter Biden's computer? Right, right. I mean, that'll I be, sit there and I that, say, what right. the fuck that, is going on? That, you got now Trump potentially thinking Marjorie Taylor Greene should be his running mate? I mean, the only person who's stupider than Marjorie Taylor Greene is probably Sarah Palin. It just doesn't work for him. Yeah, not to mention, not, yeah. not to mention, He's grifted over a quarter of a billion dollars from these unsuspecting dimwits, these maggots that, you know, forget about the and you know, 50 by the million way, fucking like, ugly hats. By the way, bucks you got to give the guy really some a... credit, but you do have to give the guy some credit. Do you? He managed okay. to take the ugliest fucking hat ever manufactured in the history of hats and sold 50 million of them. Well, that's because he so, stole somebody else's slogan. I just realized wait, I have a question for you. Wait, hold on a second. It's going to be good. Don't no, you no, want me wait, to ask wait, him a question? Wait, you're inter- I'm declassifying some documents. Oh, okay. 
I felt that there. I got a little like tremor right? in the thing. It's it's real. He's, I mean, it's the guy, real. The guy has learned I think, the Jedi. I think he kind of bent the spoon. No, there the guy. Bit, yeah. The guy has learned the Jedi ways. Yeah. Mm. All right. Huh? I'm, I'm scared now. My question to you: The man. There's a criminal trial going on in your Manhattan now against the Trump organization. Wait, I'm getting rid of it too. Hold on. Yeah. Hmm? No trial or anything. Hmm? No. <laughs> and here's my question. So, yeah. so Weisselberg, who was very loyal, wouldn't give the secrets, has now been told he's got to tell the truth or else he, his, his six months becomes, you know, 15 years. What's his testimony going to be? How damning toward the Donald? It's actually a question I was going to ask you, and I'm going to tell you why. Right? I'm going to tell you why. I don't understand this. I understand that you can criminally charge an organization, a corporation, which they have done. Now, why Alvin Bragg let him go the first time, I have no idea. No idea? I've asked Mark Pomerantz, I've reached out to Carrie Dunn, they will not give me an answer other than the fact that he said, read my resignation papers. I'm very angry about that. I spent a hundred hours with them. I've given them thousands and thousands. I know what this case is about. Now they're bringing against the Trump organization. Well, how could you separate out the Trump organization from its eponymous owner, who is the president's CEO, and the testimony that I provided to the DA, going back to when they visited me in Otisville, the thing I said to them is nothing happens at the Trump organization without the direct and explicit knowledge and authorization by Donald J. Trump. How could they not then bring him in, indict him on it, and then hold him criminally liable? May, may I just say I'm really impressed with that impeccable use of eponymous, that Trump organization being I, I'm Trump. I'm sorry, yeah. I meant to call him a hippopotamus. Right, exactly. Um, hey, Pomerantz and Dunn's letter has a lot in it. I, you know, look, I think Alvin Bragg lost nerve, right? I, it's not, I don't think it's a big mystery. You're, I, you know, I, you, he sat in that chair, he thought, well, if we lose... If you shoot at the king, and you, you better, if we lose, it, it, it's on me. He had just gotten in there. He'd made a couple, um, you know, he'd stepped in a couple times. He, he got nervous. And, he's, you know, he's, he's, take, he's taken a lot of heat since. I don't think it's um, that mysterious. It would have been, unlike, I do think, you know, Mar-a-Lago in particular, so solid. That's Mar-a-Lardo. We'll, we'll be back with that. But, you know, that was a losable case, but a winnable case. Uh, but, you know, I just think he, See, that's he, the problem, he, though. he blinked. See, that's the problem, whether it's the DA, prosecutors, yeah. and so on. Their job is not to convict. Their job is to prosecute. And when they stop forgetting what their job is, you know that he broke the law. You prosecute. Whether you win or lose, it's not supposed to be about your conviction rate. Despite the fact that's going to get you into the seven figures with the big, you know... The big law firms in Manhattan, it's not supposed to be about that. It's supposed to prosecute people for breaking the law. Period. End of story. And Alvin Bragg dropped the ball on that one. This, this won't go over well, but I disagree. So the, the, at least the feds, yeah, come on. The, at least the principles of federal prosecution, which one young Merrick Garland at age 29 working for the just to see State G. Ben Civiletti wrote is, you actually, as a federal prosecutor, need to conclude a couple of things. It's what you said, it's a righteous case, and he did it. 
no doubt there. And you have to conclude that a conviction is probable. If you think someone did it and you're going after them on a flyer, essentially, you know, I mean, you know what it's like to be under indictment and tormenting them when you don't think it's probable. Unethical. Uh, now, you know, they, they um, are, I think, are going to readily be able to include that it's probable, but, you know, we've talked, we, I know the Al Capone theory has come up here some. It mattered it, to go, be going after a guy who's guilty, totally legit, but with something that, that a charge you can make stick. Just not, just not cricket to, you know, put somebody through it if you don't think you can really get them. Well, it shouldn't be about the win. It should be about holding them accountable for the 100% violation of the with a violation. Right. By the way, I just I never heard you talk about Guy Petrillo before. I've got I got Guy Petrillo. Good, I'm going to call you on that. Uh, one. All right. Yeah, so, sorry, look, yeah. Harry, let me ask you this. Then. Yeah. If Trump doesn't comply with his subpoena to testify before the January 6th committee, which he they, won't, which he will not. They've spelled out his intent to steal the 2020 election. But if he ignores the subpoena, yep. does he go to jail like Bannon? Or no. is it that just, once again, wishful thinking and allowing this Mandarin Mussolini to escape responsibility? Yeah, it's that one. The, uh, so I, just, I, I actually just wrote an op-ed on this yesterday. My take on this is, first, the committee doesn't expect. I mean, the committee does, will not want to get into a fight. They could lose, time will run out, and it'll put a little, like, whimper on the end of what's going to be a totally killer report. I don't think he will either. He could lose, too. And all he has to do is, you know, that the the old act of I I want to talk I want to talk hold me back and oh my god and how many times have we heard that bullshit right you remember that with Mueller he said the yeah. same thing I'm coming out I'm yeah. going to testify I'm going to tell my side of the story and yeah. you won't believe I, I got to say frankly, about him believe what you're going to hear his it's success crazy. this must drive you crazy because I do think I am have crazy you run from the, this uh, nonsense the Maggie Haberman book the thing about him is it really does seem like. He doesn't have much of a playbook. He developed it all in New York, and it's just the same moves over and over, you know, led with this, like, preternatural brazenness. Um, but, you know, it's, the, it's pretty predictable, and nobody knows better than you, I think. I mean, there's no way in the world he's going to testify. First of all, let me be very clear. If anybody wants a good laugh, read some of the testimony from his old cases, including, like, the Tim O'Brien. It is the nonsensical rantings of a lunatic mind as from Young Frankenstein. Yeah. It is the stupidest shit you've ever, ever read. You know, well, yeah, maybe, I'm not sure. It could be maybe, yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I can decide what a piece of property is worth. It's called mental evaluation. He's really into this mental thing. Right? <laughs> he can determine what a piece of property, because he says so, right? You know, it reminds me of like the movie The Ten Commandments from Ramsey's, right? I think it, therefore it is. That's who the guy thinks he is. He thinks he is omnipotent. He believes that he's above the law. And he's showing us that there are people that are above the law. And that, I do say, is on Merrick Garland. You are the man of metaphors. I just got to, man, we are going everywhere. Okay, so, well, I don't know. You want, is this, was that a comment or a no, challenge? No, that's a comment. Okay. So, look, let, let's move on with the January 6th committee because right. they're going to turn in their final report. All right, then what? It's going to be like Mueller report where it's historical important. However, it's not going to end up doing anything, right? I mean, will it, will it get swept under the rug like what they did with, Mer- with the Mueller report? 
Do you think Trump will be held accountable for his attempted coup if we lose the House in the midterms? It depends what we mean by accountability. Can it be, it won't get, it's too thick to get swept under the rug. And Mueller had this you know, strange kind of passivity in everything he did. This is going to be an important report, and it's, it's scandalous that you know, even beyond his not having been held accountable criminally, we don't know the facts of of the biggest sort of dereliction of democracy. I, I'm, I'm, you know, you, you were probably the worst. He's the worst, and and the the uh, the it's just unprecedented. What you know, this attempt to try to subvert the peaceful transition of power. So look, it'll be a doorstop. People won't read it all that much, but you've seen. The subpoena itself had this four-page letter. That's like an executive summary of the actual report. It's going to be blistering. Who's going to use it? You're right. Historians, you know, um, uh, it will change minds in the country, maybe a few. But uh, part of this, at least, part of this is a battle for history. Think about Nixon and you know, and the the the, gen, the final sort of social verdict that the country uh, delivered, you know, that we want that to to happen in addition to, or whether or not he, you know, you see him in an orange jumpsuit. The problem, though, is that history doesn't mean shit if we lose our democracy, and this guy is absolutely looking to destroy democracy. All right. So, so that's true. And now, I, look, I mean, that's right. So, you know, and now again, we're talking maybe Merrick Arm, maybe judges who have done an all, all in all pretty decent job and are rebuffing, you know, today the, everyone, everyone freaked out when, when Thomas, uh, you know, put a stay in for Graham. Today the court denied it. It's good. Same thing's going to happen in Arizona. Same thing's going to happen uh, in, in D.C. with Roberts and Trump and the taxes. By and large, by and large, with some important exceptions, the courts have kind of held the line. But you're, look, another way of putting what you're saying is, if the courts were what Trump wants them to be, if they you know, were Putin-esque kind of no longer independent backstops, we are lost. That's true. But, you know, so it's a matter of, the, of, of what the institutions hold, even and, you know, against all your friends erstwhile friends and the like. Look, if Trump gets his way like Putin, you're going to start seeing a lot of people flying out of 10-story apartments. That's for sure. So I don't know. I'll be in New Zealand, I think. I'm trying to figure out where to go. But, I'm um, not allowed in New Zealand. You yeah. know, the felons aren't allowed Is in that New Zealand. Right? Yeah. Canada. Where can yeah, we go? You can't go to Canada? No, special visas. That Imagine. really sucks. Yeah, and yeah. I have my family that lives there. Israel, so, well, you can always like make Aliyah. No? no. Uh, okay, sorry. I, I, it's possible. Yeah. So look. The polls are off, according to some journalists. Yeah, yeah and they've they're been interesting. Off for, they've been off for a while now. Yeah. But there's a narrative that's running that Republicans are skewing the polls in their favor. How does that even help them? Well, in general, there is a whole you know, science of who's going to be. be this, midterm elections are normally turnout elections, and this sense that they're going to win, they, well, at least one theory is it will sort of animate them, but they're doing something much worse. It's just, you know, we just heard about it in Texas today and New York. They're doing 
completely brazen uh, intimidation at the polls. You saw the pictures last week of you know guys in military fatigues, et cetera. That is something people can do something about. That is, then the DOJ is on that case. I was a U.S. attorney. In every district, you've got an elections officer. If you see a goon trying to act tough and be intimidated, take his friggin' picture and call the FBI. They, it will really make them back yeah. down. So look, first, yeah. the Supreme Court came for abortion rights and now affirmative action. That's right. In your opinion, What's motivating the court? I mean, they're clearly not concerned about their reputation or their legitimacy. So what can we expect from them next? My biggest fear, next is gonna be Obergefell, which is the same-sex marriage. That's, they're gonna put a stop to that on the same stupid theory that they ended up overturning Roe. Is there any way it's, to put an end to their reign of terror? The short answer, I think, is no. All right, so there was the serious. Out of here. I mean, yeah, that's I not got, what these people guy, want to hear. We did you, all did want answers. Harry, everyone, everyone want me to lie about this? Look, I'll no. give you my my um, my brief on the Supreme Court. And you know, look, I clerked there. I know most of the, these guys. They came of age. It's not even necessarily that they're mustache twirling, you know, Trump lovers, but they all came of age in this really extreme, you know, they, they identified as liberal hating, you know, who's more conservative than the next. That's who they are. And, and uh, Trump's, uh, you know, Ann McConnell and a lot, of, a lot of blame to go around, the complete brass knuckles, illegitimate construction of this new majority, they really are, I, you know, they, they're, they've got a home team, and it's a home team that not only goes against what the American people think, but also goes against what, the, what, legal, what our best legal thinkers think. They're, so the court's in a woeful, screwed-up place, as it's been in a couple times in its history, and, you know, life tenure and nine people, I don't see either of those, uh, although you hear the proposals bandied about, I don't see either of them changing. So it is bad, 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 and for a generation. Uh, you know, it couldn't, the Supreme, uh, it's like heart, the biggest heartbreaking thing to me is that. Yeah, I mean, of the look, whole deal. You, you know, we've talked about if, this. If I could unwind, if you know, and just like, just vaporize, I mean, you know, like you think about the, who was it who had the briefcase in 33 under the table where Hitler was at the, you know, the meeting? Oh, you're talking if about I, Dunkirk. Yeah, if I could, if we could no, undo Dunkirk. one. Uh, yeah. What was the name of the movie? No, uh, no. Val that's it, Valkyrie. Well, I was actually thinking of history, not the oh. movie. Oh. But I, I, live, I live by movies. When you're yeah. on home confinement. That was Tom Cruise with an eye patch. Yeah. When I mean, if we, could, if we could excise one He shot bit himself in the of, face like Stuart Rhodes did. Of, of when, what Amy Winehouse would call fuckery. Over the last few years, it would it would be what he did to what he managed to do to the court. Yeah, when so you bad. end up sitting at home confinement, you watch anything that's on television, right? <laughs> I mean, it's only so much. You I should can call do. you for well, recommendations. Yeah, you should. Yeah. I've I've seen it all. all so right. look, last question before all we right. turn it over to some questions to okay. the audience, because not to harp on the court, but why is Chief Justice Roberts stepped in to keep Congress from getting Trump's taxes indefinitely? I mean, their overwhelming bias should be disqualifying in the first place. I mean, where are their fucking ethics? So, I'm second to no person, as I just said, in my distress at the court. 
But here, here I'm going to go the other way, as I did when Thomas did the same thing with Graham. This is what they do. Kagan did the same thing to help the Arizona person. You get a motion that could have any, anything to it. You get it as the circuit justice. He's the circuit justice in the D.C. Circuit. He puts on a stay just so the, the court can have a chance. He actually set a kind of a long, a distressingly long, people might think, oh, uh, past the midterms long, uh, you know, week or so for people to brief it. But here's what's going to happen. Same as happened with Graham. Same as going to happen in um, in Arizona. He'll he'll give it to the court. They'll look at it. They'll see nothing there. And you know, so this stuff. It's a stay, but it's just totally customary to permit the court as a whole to consider it. For Trump, it's all about the same thing: delay, delay, delay. All right. So let's let's take some questions from the audience. All right. Yep. Um, this case coming up, the legislative da -da 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 yeah. thing that they're going to make the Green Bay sweep legal, we got to head that off. Like, I was reading about it. That's supposed to come up in like December or something. Yeah, and then December first. It's the next. It's the next sitting. It's the second biggest case of the year. It had been a sleeper. Well, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I don't want to. Well, we got to head it off. Yes. I, you, with with bombs or no? Like, listen. Why can't? Okay. First of all, we have to keep the house. We can't just say, oh, we're just going to give them the house. With but bombs no, or what? Like, no, like, I don't know. Like, yeah. I mean, maybe the What are you hiding are inside that happy bed? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but, but, like, why can't, I mean, we got to do something so that they can't decide that case. But by the time they decide it. I mean, we got to do impeachment proceedings on Claire stuff, but if we keep the house, I guess we can't do that, huh? mm. right? Well, let me explain I mean, we what's going on. You are, you're, I, I totally understand why you're exercised as and am I. I love that do people know? Do people know what she's talking about with this independent state legislature doctrine? Like, totally made up. Didn't no one heard of it two years, and it's coming to a you know com, uh, a election near you, and it could be devastating. Basically, it's going to be a way you can hardly wrap your mind around it if you're a serious federalist and care about state power. It's going to be a way for saying uh, this came up in Bush v. Gore, and even the most extreme. Uh, uh, opinion there. The idea is that as a matter of federal law, the state legislatures, who happen to all be Republican, mm -hmm. and not the state courts, who are some sometimes fair, get to decide what happens in for anything for pro they they can do. Oh, we want a second set of electors, and for Trump, et cetera. And you have how many? Three hundred. You know, around the country, this is something we've cottoned to, but we were late mm -hmm. to see it. You know, they really did cede the Secretary of State and those state official levels, and it's really pernicious and dangerous. And there's the possibility this came really out of nowhere that the Supreme Court will hold will empower state legislatures who are you know 26 of whom are controlled by Republicans and enough to make the the electoral college. If we had the House, could we start impeachment thing? Like Glenn Kirshner talks about that sometimes, about yeah. just start the impeachment, whether you're going to really do it or not, just start them. Like like Thomas, look, look at how he's breaking the law every frickity frickin' day, man. I mean, and why should he be there? He And then all the other ones that lied about abortion. It's This is like a Michael Cohen show on steroids. I hate yeah. to be... The, the bearer of the bad news, but, you know, I did clerk up there, and basically, <laughs> it's too fucking late. I, you know, that, that, I, yeah. okay, so, 
If That's, they had, right, here, there was one way to do it. They would have had to break the filibuster for this and put 15 people on the Supreme Court. And so grievous is the situation that a lot of people, like, you know, Tony, respectable, button-down people, like Larry Tribe, were for it. Going to happen? It's not going to happen. So the Senate could actually ram through, you know, if if, uh, Manchin would stay with them, and they could do it tomorrow, 15, you know, an extra six members of the court. It's, but it's fanciful. I'm so sorry. Yeah. And, we need some more. Do we have another question in the audience yeah. back there? It's just not what right. happened. Let's get yeah. it on microphone because we are recording this. Boy, I, did, I, I feel like I'm the bear of bad news when I, yeah. I'm okay. actually sorry I brought you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> We're calling you Dr. Doom yeah. from now on. Yeah. Now, it's going to get a lot better soon when Kathy Griffin comes out. <laughs> All right. Hi, I'm Eileen. My name's Eileen. This Hi. question's for Michael and okay. Harry. Why are you so sure Trump isn't going to run with this independent state legislature case if they give them that power? I read, some people are saying, I'm saying that, um, <laughs> that the GOP does not believe yeah. that it will be a regular election in 2024 that they're just going to walk in. And it'll be Trump and um, Marge. The governor of Wisconsin said that today. I'll just make sure the R's win. Why don't we believe... I really should defer to you. It's my instinct, again, because of this sense of him as a as fearing losing. But, you know, I've always said psychoanalyzing Trump, you know, that way lies madness. But you were next to the guy, and you don't think so. So what's your No, thinking? I think he would prefer to be the power player, the man behind the scene, and that way he can continue to take advantage of the um, supporters that he has to keep bilking them. I don't know if anybody is a goof. I, mean, I did it. You know, I signed myself up in order to get the Trump emails. And so you must get, before I wake up, I have 80. I have 80. Dear patriot, dear friend, right? Dear American. And then you get Don Jr., my dad, right? It's like, my dad wants everybody to give all their fucking money, all right? And he's like, there is a way to unsubscribe, you know. Is anyone? Like, I mean, it's, and, and then you got Eric, who's legitimately the dumbest of them all. He copies Eric, uh, Don's stupid shit. And he's like, you're not going to abandon my father now, are you? Abandon him? The guy's already basically wiped out everybody's bank account for the tune of $250 million to fix his broken down plane. I mean, it's like, it's crazy. Before you wake up, you are inundated with all of these crazy things. Oh, the radical, lying left media, Democrats, and so Antifa. on. They're, they're at it again, right? It's all Antifa. <laughs> it's all Black Lives Matter. It's all everything other than him, right? So... He's not going to run because he's figured out the great grift. He's making more money by doing this than he did on his best season of Apprentice. All right? And he doesn't want it to stop. So, so what's he going to do then? Where, what's he, where does he go from the presidency? Because it seems like he's always having a one-up, one-up, one-up. Where does he go from here? So there's a great answer for that one. I want people to remember when Vladimir Putin finished his second term as president of Russia. And what did he ended up doing? Well, he then decided he was going to put Medvedev into office 
and he became the prime minister. And the only thing the president is allowed to do is to bring documents to the prime minister to sign. Well, that's not going to happen here in America. However, he wants to be the guy behind the scenes, that everybody has to go down to Mar-a-Lardo and kiss the ring and pay homage to him so that he could continue to not just grift in this country, but then he could expand the grift. Because something that many of you have heard me say on mea culpa, he didn't want to be president of the United States. He wanted this campaign to be the greatest infomercial in the history of US politics. And he ended up doing that. He did that by using racism and sexism and misogyny and xenophobia and homophobia and Islamophobia and anti-Semitism to accomplish it. And this is not the man who we want. So I'm with you, by the way, lady with the funny bag. All right, I'm with you, all right? We need to do something. What it is, I have no clue, but we need to do something. And the only thing I can say, make sure you vote and vote blue. All right, we need some more questions. Yep. Um, hi, this, my name is Judy, and this is a question hi, for Hi, Judy. Hey. Hi, I, um, I want to tell you that um, I'm so proud of who, who you've become. I really am. From I the bottom you, of my but, heart. But I, I thank you for that, but I do hope that you read Revenge, because what you will, will. learn, I've always been this guy. <laughs> I have been. And the stories that were told about me, I've never been to Prague. I never paid off um, you know, Russian compromats in order to um, you know, fix the nonsense of Paul Manafort. I never threatened Stormy Daniels, all right, ever. In fact, the time that they claimed that I had gone to Vegas with somebody that looked like me, which ended up looking like her husband, and I don't look like her husband, um, I, I wasn't even working for Trump at the time. And I had no idea who she even was. In fact, until she was on my podcast, I had never spoken to her. I never communicated with her. I never emailed her. Every single thing that I did, I did through her attorney, Keith Davidson. I didn't send money off to Iran or Russia or you know, some other country. I sent it to Beverly Hills, California, where this asshole works, to his law firm. Right? I mean, that's what I did. I did an NDA. You know what? That's what lawyers do. Should I have done it? No. I should not have, right? But the, the stories that were told about me that were made up, and who made them up? Donald, and Jared, and Don Jr. And they used the press, they used the, the Fox News machine in order to promote this lie. I've always been the same guy, right? Was I sharp-elbowed New York attorney? Yeah, yeah, I was. I, and I did it better than most. So when we had fights with contractors, right? Or we had fights with Benjamin Moore, yeah, we ended up taking advantage of the situation. We did, but at that time, he was the president and CEO of a small family real estate entertainment company. It's not the same as before, and it's something that I tried to point out, um, but media didn't want that. They wanted it to be the salacious, dirty stuff because that's what sells, and it's really terrible. And I, I write revenge not just to tell the true story of what really happened, and I take responsibility like for lying for Congress, but I did that, again, at the direction of and for the benefit of Donald Trump, just as I did the Stormy Daniels lie. I never paid Karen McDougal, by the way. That was David Pecker who acknowledges, but I did plead guilty to it. I was fined for it, and it was part of my sentence. So it just goes to show you the system 
is really bad. And my biggest fear is I want to be an advocate for it. I want to be, I, I, I really want to change the justice system. I want to change prison reform because it's so desperately needed. And my biggest fear is that the damage that this journey has done to me, which is immeasurable, and to my family, I never want to see it happen to anybody. Not you, not anybody. Republican, Democrat, Independent. I never want to see it. It's a pain that you can't even begin to imagine and you never should have to. You also look a million times hotter since you broke for good. Yeah. Like, you know, you know that, right? He's a sexy beast. You used to have, like, the dark circles under your eyes and, you know. Listen, you would, you would have dark circles, too, you know, when you're sitting and crying, when you're sitting and crying with your wife and your children, you know, after you get hit with a 36-month sentence for legitimately, you know, paying a porn star, not to talk about her pulling his mushroom pecker. Can, right? I, can I ask Carrie one question? I'm, um, I'm sorry. Is it, um, for the, the members in Congress who asked for a pardon, who aided and abetted the insurrection on January 6th, um, Paul Gosar, Andy Biggs, Josh Hawley, Marjorie Taylor Greene, all of them, will they ever see any consequences for what they've done? So it's a, it's a great question, and they will be, I mean, they're certainly in the sights somewhere. Let me, let me take a step back and say there are two teams were, you know, one's on Mar-a-Lago and one's on January 6th. And these guys, you know, they certainly figure in and they're, I, I think that they'll have to face the music that they didn't in, um, in before January 6th committee of at least, you know, talking or being called before the grand jury and then we'll see if they take the fifth. Let's say it's the case and it's my, you know, best guess that it is the case that Trump is indicted and convicted for document crimes having to do with Mar-a-Lago. Um, you know, have that like thought experiment now, and what, what then of all the January 6th, the, you know, perfidy? Will there still be the same, you know, how will it look? Will there be the same kind of mop-up um, uh, feeling. That's, I think, the it's not that they, I, I, I think there, there is, con, co-conspiracy liability there. But remember when people came in at first, there was a sense of, you know, try to put it behind you. The question is if he, and not just him, by the way, very importantly, I, you know, his, there's going to be Haldemans and Ehrlichmans here, I think. Hopefully it includes Mark Meadows. But, it, you know, there, there are other people who are going to go down, I think. So at that point, Will the DOJ, even assuming it's still, you know, in Democratic hands, be really putting Gosar and those guys uh, in their sights when they have certain defenses, et cetera? My prediction is no, and it, it shouldn't be. I mean, they really, they really did facilitate, um, but uh, I just think, you know, we're talking about what's going to already be the biggest prosecution in DOJ's history if it happens, and you know, for four or five years down the line to be going back against against members of Congress if they're still if they're even still there, et cetera. My, if I had if I had to predict, I'd say no. Aren't you glad I came? I'd here? trade them all in for one Trump. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Right, we well, then you should be glad. Two more questions this all right. round. All right. Here we go. Yeah. Hi. Hi. My name is Larry. And I have a question for Mr. Cohen. 
Mr. Cohen, I am just curious, um, and I forgive me for not for not for, for forgetting the timeline. But were you still um, Donald's attorney during the initial stage of the pandemic? No, no, I stopped somewhere around uh, March or April of 2017. Well, I still have a question. Do you? This is just pure speculation that I'm asking. But do you think that had uh, Donald received word from a man by the name of Howard Lorber, who I actually contacted at his residence, of, a, of an alternative, a bona fide alternative treatment for COVID, that he would have entertained it? Because I did send a, a bunch of very complex research papers to Mr. Lorber at his request, and I advised him that I was in the process of receiving an endorsement by Walter Willett at Harvard, who was the second most cited researcher in clinical medicine. And he went from, oh, I'll surely run it by Donald, to, um, no, I can't approach the president about this, about a week after I sent those papers. So what, do you think he would have just blown it off or, or what's your speculation? So to people, if you don't know, Howard Lorber is the president and CEO of Douglas Elliman. So why he would end up getting involved in COVID other than I know he had COVID because I know Howard for my entire life. Um, I don't see anybody and it's not appropriate for Howard at that point in time. Howard was actually the head of the Holocaust Museum in DC. So it would be completely inappropriate for him to take anything to the president. And if you want to take, you know, something it's supposed, there is a chain. See, Trump doesn't believe in process, right? Um, and, you know, they have the National Institute of Health that they were working on. They have other, you know, they had Dr. Fauci and they had Dr. Um, uh, Burks, I believe. And there was a team that were working on it. It would be wholly inappropriate for the head of it, an incredibly large real estate sales force, right, to bring, you know, COVID concepts, regardless of who brought it to him or why you really don't want to do that because it could create all sorts of other additional problems. Like if somebody made money on it, they would claim that Howard was then somehow involved and maybe taking bribe. I, I, if it came to me, I wouldn't have done it either. All right, we got time for one more question this round. Yeah, hi, Michael. It's Dan. I, uh, you know, it was, it was really moving when Elijah Cummings spoke to you at the hearing. I was just wondering if you had any contact with him, you know, before his uh, death. I did. I did. In fact, um, after that comment, um, he called me that night, uh, and we actually both cried. Uh, to be honest, he was one of the most incredible people that I can say that I have met in my entire life. And um, I spoke with him several more times. He would call just to ask, how am I holding up? How's your family holding up? He really showed, you know, so much empathy as a human being um, for the plight, the journey that I was traveling. And I remember when we first talked about me coming into testify and why he felt it was extremely important that I do it publicly, not privately, because the information that I would provide and the way in which I would provide that information, he felt 
would help America to heal and to maybe stop some of the divisiveness. Maybe it lasted for a day or two, but the power of Trump and Trumpism and the cult of Trump, it's, it's all encompassing, it's all powerful. He knows how to get in right to Yakishka's in hate and everything else that's, you know, um, that he's comprised of and he figures out how to make everybody the same. It's terrible. All right, let's okay, give a big round of applause for uh, Harry Littman. Time to move down, guys. Move down the sofa. Because we're about to bring on the real funny honey. The queen of being Kathy Griffin. Come on out. I'm back. I'm back with some more pessimism. No, I'm kidding. Jesus, stop confessing to fucking crimes. I'm listening to him back there. He's like, did I rough up a couple of guys at Benjamin Moore? Maybe. Did I talk to some contract? Easy. Okay, easy. No more confessing. <laughs> Listen, the, the, the problem, though, is all of a sudden now you find... I get attacked on social media, as do you. Yes. And a lot of the people turn around and they say to me, well, you used to do his, you know, his criminal work. It's not criminal work to file a lawsuit against yes. Benjamin Moore. All right? It's not criminal, it's not well, criminal to file what a lawsuit against What was his issue with a, Benjamin Moore paints? Because the cheap bastard bought the cheapest paint that didn't stay to the wall, and he wanted more expensive free paint. All right. I talked about it in this law. It's... it's it was well, meant for a garage. They, why didn't you make it happen to Sherwin Williams? What, what, what did Sherwin Williams do wrong? I have. I think about these things. I don't sleep. <laughs> Can you believe hell froze over and we're friends now? I love this. I love this. This gives and, me hope. And, and a lot of it, in all fairness, was thanks to Rosie O'Donnell. Yes. Who is a mutual fan. I don't know if people know this, but she actually came and visited me in Otisville. All right. She is she the real did. deal. She, she's the real deal. She's she is the real deal. She is an absolute sweetheart of a human yeah. being. She almost got me thrown into the shoe simply because you're not allowed to cross pollinate with other inmates while you're having conversations. And at the end of the day, they were angry that everybody wanted to come over and say hi to Rosie. Well. She is so they're like, Cohen, get rid of him. You know, you can't do that. You know that I'm like. It's not me. What the hell do you want? I mean, between Rosie and Donnie Deutsch pissing in the trees, right? I almost ended up in the shoe twice. Donnie, oh, Jesus. Stay out of the shoe. For God's sake, out of the shoe. All right. All right. We'll, we'll try. Okay. So, okay. Kathy Griffin, everybody. Everybody. All right. By the way, um, well, I thought it was interesting because when I went through my, like, Trump thing, one thing that they did was um, they would call my First Amendment attorney, who's now retired, but he's Alan Isaacman is his name, and you know him quite well, and um, he famously won the landmark Supreme Court case, Jerry Falwell versus Hustler Magazine, because that's who I need to hire. <laughs> I need the guy who <laughs> won the court case against fucking Larry Flynn. And so he's been a great First Amendment attorney, but he did say that... During my two-month-long investigation before my interrogation under oath, um, where I thought it was the, the Secret Service and the AUSA, and when I discussed that case with you, you're like, no, honey, it's the U.S. Attorney's Office, not even the assistant U.S. Attorney's Office. But um, I, they called his office every single day because they wanted me to, they, he said, they straight up said, they want a video of you being perp-walked into downtown L.A. 
but they were obsessively calling him. And I mean, I guess that's why I paid him the big bucks. But I don't know how aggressively they could try to get someone to do that. But it was kind of like a, one of the things that actually scared me. Because I kept thinking, like, what if there's a day where, I don't know, like a fucking sheriff comes or whatever. It was fucking nuts. Yeah, well, listen, I lived it. Yes. I, I lived it. And Jeffrey what, Berman, like, what the a former. Bunch of desperados we had. I know. I'm trying to former. think of the crimes I could have right. done. Right. Could you imagine? I, I, all you I have took to some do is, lifesavers as a boy. Or, all yeah. you need to do is to make a hostage I feel video. So straight. Right? Yeah. It's, it's unbelievable. So look, Kathy. Yes. You posted a photo and then you received thousands of death threats, yes. including some left on, I think it was your mother's answering machine yeah. and others, you know, called into um, your sister My Joyce's sister's hospital, hospital when room. she was dying of cancer. Yeah. And then you dealt with your own, you know, your own cancer yes. and so on. Enlighten us. How does one woman deal with all that and live to tell the tale? And so bravely. <laughs> oh, that's very, very, I appreciate it very much. I feel like, I feel like I'm, I'm trying, you know, I'm so like, it was such an immense experience. I'm not going to like lie about it because for it's been five and a half years, you know. And for a long time, like at first I had to sort of play it off. And I went on tour right away and the tour was very successful, luckily. But I had a lot of incidents. I had like banner drops, you know what that is? Like right now they're doing Kanye was right about the Jews. And in my tour, they would these they organize online. You might know a little about this, but there's some organization. So like they would show up at a show and do a banner drop that says Trump 2020. One guy came to Houston and he was in one of those shirts where it's all Trump's face. Like it's so fucking weird. And he just walked around outside the Houston Symphony Hall, Jovens Hall it's called, where I was playing beautiful theater, just calling my name with a knife like this. And I had security, but they can't all be around the crate. Like the whole audience was leaving. And then an audience member saw me and said, run, Miss Griffin. I was like, you can call me Kathy. But anyway, <laughs> it's, it's so nuts and intense that I know, I know like it, I, people get tired of me talking about it, but there really is a lot to say. And when it happened to me in 2017, I really thought I was going to be the last. Like, I really thought, okay, he, like, fully investigated me. You know, it was a real thing. They didn't do a no-knock, but, like, they had to search my house for weapons, you know, and I have a sword because I've done so many fucking drag shows as a judge that I have one from the Naked Swordsman. Good group for you. Now, these are gays that like a little sword work, and they're kind of fanciful. They don't mind some drama. I can get you a number. Anyway, <laughs> so I had to explain to the Secret Service why I had a sword in my home because the MAGAs really think I got on a plane, jumped over the fence of the White House, chopped off Donald Trump's head, held it for a while, and then I guess they sewed it back on or something, and then he... <laughs> But it still continues. It's just insane. They have a lot of lasting power, these MAGA folks. They do, and they don't stop. They love it. They, lo they, they feed off it, and one yeah. feeds off it to the other. And I will say, I do have friends that voted for Trump, and I swear, when I try to say, I promise I will not do my you know, soapbox lefty BS, like, can we please? And they can't do it. 17 minutes into Thanksgiving, it's like, well... I'm a constitutionalist. I guess that's why I'm a criminal. Like, okay, I just wanted my sweet potatoes. So it's difficult because, you know, I have many Republican friends. I had many Republican friends. And some of them, well, I know some of your friends don't talk to you. But I mean, just, you know, it's weird that I can't even have like a conversation with some of my Republican friends because they, they think I'm like 
maybe doing a little child trafficking? It's so nuts. It's just beyond like you're a shitty comic. It's way, that was 10 years ago. It's now, it's just gotten so crazy. So, yeah, it's, it's become a zero sum game. Yeah. In order for me to win, you have to lose yes. and get decimated. Yeah. Not just lose, you have That's to get decimated. That's the word decimated. Don Jr. used about me on GMA. He was like, well, our family doesn't want to just ruin her career, we want to decimate her. Yeah. And I was like, who the fuck are you, you ape? He looks like an ape, Cro-Mag. It's a Cro-Mag nightmare. Well, I didn't mean to insult apes. What? There you go. All right, well, I know how So, like shit. me, you were investigated by the Secret Service, right? And you had yes. some dealings with the Department of Justice yes. or the Department of Injustice, as I like to say, right? Would you mind telling us how that went and how it affected your life? Well, the crazy thing was that photo exploded so fast. I've now been able to, like, do a lot of research and learn as much as I can about how that happened because... The photo was just, honestly, it was a photo shoot I did in my house with this photographer who was just dumb enough to send it to TMZ. And we did other pic, yeah, I mean, it was that, he kind of screwed me that way because TMZ and Harvey Levin and American Media, David Pecker, Dylan Howard, those guys who were mentioned in Mall Report, I'm not saying TMZ was in Mall Report, but they all, they do work together and they, they did catch and kill projects, et cetera. So... I learned that they had an infrastructure that I had no clue about, hopefully nobody did because it's so outrageous, to take that photo of me have with the Halloween mask with ketchup on it and manipulate it to either make it more extreme, but it was all over the world. It was in Farsi, it was in Chinese, it was in Russian, within like hours. So then the bots take over, and then all you need is a few real-life people to believe it, and a couple blue checks pick it up. And then the right-wing media was in heaven, because Bob Mueller had actually just been assigned a few days prior to that, and I think they were looking for like the next thing that would be a distraction. But one thing like, I'm so dying to ask you about is, I'm so curious, who do you think was like the one that came up with the idea, like, let's take that bitch Kathy Griffin's picture, and let's make her a jihadist, and let's really investigate her, and let's call her every day and ask her to come in and do a perp walk, and all my, I was in the middle of a 50-city tour. I'm 61 years old, okay? And I'm thrilled to be working. 50 cities is awesome. And then in the middle of the tour, I stood, every theater got death threats. And so the tour was canceled within 72 hours. I found out I was fired on CNN on the ticker. Nobody like even called me. And of course the worst was when I lost my endorsement for Squatty Potty, which <laughs> I was the face of Squatty Potty, Harry. I don't know if you know that. Jason, honey, it's like a stool when you're going number two, where it goes like this. I can't help but I live it. And so that was on the ticker of CNN. Kathy Griffin loses her job as the face of Squatty Potty. And that would hurt because I'm human. All right, so, oh, yeah, so I have actually not really earned more money than I've, you know, had overhead since that. So, you know, I'm okay, because luckily I, my whole life I saved and all that other stuff. It's a big part of my ethos, if I have one. But I've, I haven't made a profit since then. And, you know, people still, I still have like a, the stench of, you know, would, could she play in the red states? Or, you know, can she be on a TV show that will do well in other than two coastal cities. So I, I don't think it's an issue, but there's still a lot of minds to change. And a lot of the check signers in Hollywood, like the guys that are like way, way at the top, like the David Zaslav guys and stuff, the ones who really make the decisions, they're real, they are Republicans. 
Jeff Zucker's a Republican. He was a Republican. He still, well, now he's kind of gone. <laughs> he finally left. But I'm not bitter. It's really you. No. Um, <laughs> so it's just something that just comes up a lot in my life. Sorry, I'm getting done a tangent. And you want the answer. I want answers. All right, so who do you think would do the Kathy Griffin scheme? David Pecker, if I had to guess. <gasps> oh my and God. I'll tell you why. Well, tell me who David Pecker is. So David Pecker is the former president and CEO of AMI, which owned the National Enquirer. And the reason I say that is you all will remember when there were 19 Republicans that were running for the nomination, the GOP nomination. And one by one, what we did is we systematically knocked them off. But Ted Cruz was a little bit more difficult. Mm. That was, of course, up until the time that David Pecker and I decided that we were going to put a picture of his father with Lee Harvey Oswald and put oh it on the front God. cover of the newspaper. You are going to hell in a handbasket. Handbasket! Nothing for nothing. I'm already in hell. So uh, I, I truly do know what hell looks like. I've been there. Yeah. And I... And, Again, it was because we were really... But how did they, like, get it out? Like, how did the picture get circulated so So you fast? started off on the National Enquirer with all of their periodicals. You throw it onto the Internet, and it just gets picked up because people wanted to believe it. Holy shit. Now, I'll never forget Donald saying when he saw that, he's like, you understand that no matter which way it goes, Ted Cruz comes out like the asshole that he is. And the reason why is if he denies it, people don't care. Yeah. And he certainly can't say that it happened, right? Other than saying that this is my father and this is terrible. Well, what our response is, what else is he supposed to say? Mm -hmm. And Trump fell in love with the idea. He was like, you have to do it. What is this the name is of that thing? It's like the, it's like the upside down reverse. It's like you guys will like flip it, but then flip it again. Yes, on but don't forget too, we did the same thing then to Marco Rubio when we put him into a, uh, a swimming pool after a Coke binged party naked with a bunch of other guys. There was no way that he was able to say yes or no. So when you ask me the question, who do I think was the one who manipulated and who put it out there yeah. and used the methodology that we used to use in order to get traction on things like this, I would have to say David. Somehow or another in my case, talk about crazy shit. David Pecker's the one who paid Karen McDougal the $150,000. All I did is review a contract to make sure that Trump was protected in the event that David became the president um, and CEO Tell of... Tell me who Carrie McDougal is. Uh, what's that? Tell me who Carrie McDougal is. Carrie McDougal was the former Playboy playmate and um, that Trump was having an affair with at the same time. And she that went he was on 60 Minutes with, and she, by yes. the way, she kept saying, I'm still voting for him. I still love him. Could you imagine? I know. So what, what ended up happening with, with this whole thing is I was asked to review documents to ensure that if David left and became the head of Time magazine, then Donald would be protected. And so somehow or another, that gets thrown onto me. I get charged, fined, and spent time in prison as a direct result of David paying Karen McDougal $150,000. Why does David get off scot-free? Not only did he get off scot-free, they gave him immunity to testify <gasps> against That's me. That's right. He and, right. They both did. That's right. Shit. And, and so it's why I turn around and I say, the system needs an overhaul. And the story, again, that people think that they know about me it's not the real story. And 
again, one of the reasons I, I was so adamant about ensuring that revenge comes out is because if they can do it to me, especially yes. with my megaphone and you know my proximity at the time to power, well, look just at think Ruby about Freeman. what they can do to you. Yeah, and think about Ruby Freeman. And think about reality winner and yeah. think about all these other folks that end up being held accountable yeah. for their actions. The only one who doesn't get held accountable right. is Trump. All right, I have a question for the I have a question for the and panel. Mark yeah. And Mark Meadows, oh boy. And Matt Gates. And by the way, and Josh Hawley and Marjorie Taylor Greene. Does anybody and, remember? I always think I have like these Nunes wins a prize every time. But um, I always think of like I have these like flashbacks about other shit that we almost forgot about the Trump like during that era. Do you guys remember when Anna Presley, Anna Presley was asserting herself? She confronted Mark Meadows when he was still a congressman, a, kind of accusing him of like racism and sexism. And he did that thing where he burst into tears, he turned all red. Oh my Lord, I could never be a racist. Like he really laid it on thick. And then Elijah Cummings like had his back. Like Elijah Cummings like, no, no, I can vouch. He is not a racist. We've gone fishing or whatever the fuck they did. We've hung out. So actually this story on that oh, one is Mark Meadows, Mark Meadows paraded out a young lady who was a friend of mine named Lynn Patton, who I'm the one who was successful in getting her the position to work uh, at the Trump Organization for Eric. He parades her out, and the goal of doing so was in order to show, well, Donald can't be racist because Lynn is black, and therefore she's an executive, which, by the way, she was not. They made her an executive three days before this, right. all right, um, which, is, which is true. She's a great girl. I, I knew her. Prior, I brought her to Eric. I said, she really needs the job. She's very competent. She'll be able to handle, you know, working does for you. Does she still work for Eric Trump? She does not. She oh. left the Trump you She became the head of HUD in New York. Completely oh, unqualified cool. to do it. But yet they ended up paying. That was her payback, right? They made her to yeah. the head of HUD. She should not stand for the fact that Donald is not a racist. Yeah. All right? It has nothing to do. You know, they brought her on. And when I turned around, I said to Mark Meadows, really, why don't you ask her how many black people work as executives yeah. or assistants to executives in the entire Trump organization? I said, Mark, you're looking at the only one. Yeah. All right. So when I turned around and I, my first line in my opening before the House Oversight, when I called him a racist, I wasn't joking. Yeah, he is. He is. And people like were acting like that was an unfair thing to say for a while. Like, oh, come on with the extremist talk. I wouldn't go that far. All right, here's my question for the panel. So I've been sued since this Trump incident by several MAGA folks, and I want to know your opinion on who might be funding these. Because I'm now a professional defendant. Two of them are from that school, Covington Catholic High School in Kentucky, yeah, yeah. where the, the MAGA hat kid, and they went to the National Mall, and they were rude to the Native American guy, and they smeared him. So 12 other families from that same school sued me in federal court and state court in K Kentucky, in federal court in the Eastern District. and. Um, the three tweets I had made about that incident, they said I was doxing them. But I've had everything dismissed at every level, every single level. And in fact, I even sent you the, what do you call it when the judge writes the like explanation of why he did it? Yeah, yeah. You pick <laughs> Easy with the big words. Big words. Slow down, Mary. Eponymous. Eponymous. Whoa, too many. All right, so, but anyway, so 
I know how much lawsuits cost because I never countersue because I'm spending too much defending myself. And so who do you think is funding these suits? And there's two more. One is, one is from a CEO, but the other one is from a guy, maybe you saw the tape, his name is Sam Johnson. It was in Franklin, Tennessee, and two kids, two gay kids are going to the prom, and one of the boys is dressed as a, in a red dress, and he's like following them around and creepily like harassing them. So I tweeted about that as well. The guy got fired. Everybody was tweeting about it. He was on TikTok for a whole day and all this stuff. So this guy is also suing me, saying that he got, I got, he got fired because of me. So I now have these four lawsuits running. Who is, I can't believe the 12 families in Covington are all paying to, to do this themselves. Any theories? I believe. Is this super PACs? I believe is that it? there's somebody that's in that area who is a MAGA supporter. And again, it's to cancel you. That's all, that's all that it is. But they if never, they do they think they're they going to win? They don't need to win. So what I they actually, just need to I, do I, is I to financially hurt you. I mean this in all seriousness and sobriety. This goes back to Hillary Clinton. It was, in fact, everything about Whitewater, was a vast right-wing uh, conspiracy. And it just is a sort of hobby horse. I don't know if it's the Koch brothers or whatever, but this has been a kind of you know, pretty effective tool in the toolbox is to just gin up really both, not just expensive, but nasty sort of uh, potentially Do they think they're going to win, or do they know they're going to get dismissed? It doesn't make a difference. That's right. But let they me know. Like, I believe but it costs they a ton want, of money. It does, it, they're I believe willing they to want lose it. to inflict pain. On and you, exactly. sweetheart, guess what? What? They did, right? Yeah. That's yeah. the problem. I've talked to, yeah. Yeah. So, Kathy, let me, let me yes. move on for a quick second. Why is it guys like Trump and Elon Musk haven't been canceled yet themselves? Is it just the fact that they have money, right? At least one of the guys does. Because that and their white male privilege is about all that they have going for them. And no amount of truth gets through to their cult. Why do they seem so bulletproof? And how do we cancel them? <laughs> I don't know, because I, I'm not a believer in canceling. So By the way, neither am I. I know, right? And so... One thing I talk about, which people don't enjoy all the time, but I get more concerned about the Joe Roganization of America more than Trump, because Trump will croak. But I haven't seen Joe for many years, but he was a middling comic, a brick wall comic, and he was, you know, funny. He was good on that show News Radio for a year. But, you know, sometimes these guys, oh, that's going to sound bad, there are a lot of dudes that when they can't do something super, super well, they take like a dark, nasty turn because there's always money to be made when you're shitting on other people and you can find others that are kind of like you described, like the aggrieved guys. But what, what kind of freaks me out is, I don't care if you're a fan of Joe, I think Joe can be super funny, but I'm shocked at how many people I personally know that didn't get vaccinated because of Joe Rogan. And that's something like I've never seen. I'm a Stern fan, and I remember all the years my girlfriends would give me shit because I would go on Howard. If you don't see the difference between Howard being naughty but then evolving over time, et cetera, et cetera, giving me a mouthpiece, giving Joan, Howard actually does like women, believe it or not. And I think what Joe is doing is something different, but I don't know why other people don't go, that shit's dangerous. He and Musk and Kanye and Chappelle are like the foursome, and they hang together, and I fear that that's the mindset that women can't really battle. 
So my experience, because I'm in a very male-dominated field, and I've been around so long, that the stuff you women can complain about now, we just simply couldn't. So pardon me, because I get old-fashioned and I use like bad terms. But I can just tell you, I have just my whole career has been these guys, whether it's another comic who's pissed I got somewhere or doesn't like the one of the girls is doing well. I don't, I've never seen anything like it where that's still allowed to continue. And that what is what frightens me. So that's my fear because it's not as dangerous and obvious as Trump. And I just think there's something that was ginned up in the Gamergate, Bernie Bros, you know, MAGA white people, fucking boomer white people, and I can't even talk to those bitches in the suburbs who voted for Trump last time. I don't know what the fuck was that about. So something was ginned up. My opinion about why women voted for Trump, I do think a lot of women are still colonized. I'm sorry. I've had a conversation with the great Gloria Steinem about this, and she said, you've got women that went to Harvard, but they may be in some sort of a societal structural system where there's, the point is she was saying, there's just still a lot of women that just don't want to go against their husband or dad or brother, and that's just a reality. So I know that doesn't sound very forward of me, very progressive, but that's just what I've seen. That's my little... Well, she said, don't let her shut you up. You know, my woman to have lungs and I are going to keep on puff up and puffing, damn it. That's right. All righty. So let's just imagine for a second that Kathy Griffin runs the world. And I'm sure that you'd be overqualified. But what would your priorities be at this particular juncture in American history? You know what? This is like, so, I'm going to sound like Cory Booker, who I love. Who I, by the way, I think Senator Booker got shit on a lot because he like believes in love. Everyone's like, that homo. I'm like, no, no, no. He's saying love makes the world go round. Calm down. Like, he took a beat down. But I actually think that like, it's kind of all, I am a capitalist, but it's kind of got to be about as close to equality as we can get. I just think that's the name. And I'm not just talking about LGBT, but it's that, that notion, if we can just see each other more as equals, I just feel an interaction. I just feel like that's like the name of the game. I don't know, like getting a relationship, to me the, the best thing to keep it healthy is just to keep talking. And I just feel like it's kind of that simple. So that's what scares me is I feel like we can, we're losing sight of something that is in our grasp or maybe could have been, I don't know. Yeah. So what would, what would a Kathy Griffin activism be? Like well, what, would, what would be your first priority? Like me personally, yeah. I'll tell you, I believe that men and women's health are not equal. Yeah. And I don't understand that. Yes. All right, you know, if it's a man's genitals, then it gets one sort of better perspective, right? I mean, like, make it work, like, get it back working. Like, like right? It's like uh, insane. And when it comes to women, I think women's health is absolutely that ignored. Funny. Yeah. What? This is, that's what you hear in life. <laughs> that's. I mean, that would be um, a, a real priority in mind because I've seen it, and, yeah. you know. And no, I've seen and it with my cancer stuff. I'm yes. actually sort of shocked, like you get, you get some sexism in like that health area, and it's always a little jarring for a minute. Isn't it? Yeah. Because it's something that just doesn't make any sense to me. I don't, yeah. and nothing's covered. For some reason, I nothing's know. I mean, for God's sakes, a guy could get a lifetime supply of Viagra, 
But a woman can't get medication for, you know, let's say endometriosis. Yeah. This is not this is not a joke. And it yeah. you know, and shame on our politicians, especially the female ones. Right. But by the way, like I do think Biden is doing such great work in that area, and it breaks my heart if we lose House or or Senate because I mean, remember Obama with John Boehner and then and then um, Paul Ryan? Not Obama wasn't able to do very much of anything the last two years. And we didn't have the Margie Greens at that time. And, you know, we had people five toes on each foot. Yeah. <laughs> I've heard. I mean, people are saying. Many, many smart people pe- say. Many smart people have told yes. me. That. Yeah. So listen, obviously, congratulations on beating cancer. That's what I was Thank I was you. <laughs> That's the important thing. Yes. And look, you've survived more than your share of challenges. Yes. I think we'll all acknowledge that. Where are you at in your career? You know, it's really interesting. Um, the, my voice is a little bit limited, as you can tell. I'm actually a little bit afraid to go on the road right now. Um, I just think it's too crazy out there. And uh, when I had my incidents on my tour, it was 2018. And QAnon had not really taken off like it has now. And those people are super violent because they honestly think they are saving the children. Like, if you watch the Saitais, the Scientologists, I call them Saitais, um, those nut jobs, but they really think they're saving the world. And you'll do anything if you think you're saving, like, a baby or whatever. So those guys show up a little bit, and I'm, you know, I will see what audiences want to hear about. It's such a dark time. So, I don't know, I, but I want to go back on the road again more than anything. But right now I've just been working kind of for free, so I'm just kind of trying to build my career back again and see if people will accept me with my new voice and my new attitude. I, you know, I've written two books, and I tried to hawk a book about a year ago, and it was just an exercise in rejection. Like, and it was so bad. It was like, because my first book was number one New York Times bestseller. My second book was 15. So they called my previous publishers, and one goes, too difficult and too expensive. Yeah, even though it went to number one. And then the second one was like, yeah, if you're happy at number 15. Like, it was vicious. <laughs> so I was like, okay, let's, apparently there's no book interest at this moment. But I don't know. We'll see what happens. Yeah, I live in that same world, by the way. Really? I really do. I'm you not, have a book out. I'm, yes, I did. Um, it's very unconventional how I did it, including with Disloyal. You know, most people, they get advances and so on. Yeah. I never got an advance. I never, I never took it. They weren't offering it. In fact, even my book, Disloyal, which was number one for five weeks, yeah. number one, New York Times bestseller, I was turned down by everyone. Why? Everyone. Because too divisive, I'm yeah. too polarizing. controversial, too and so on, and way too polarizing. Yeah. And as I tried to explain to them, I don't give a fuck what you say, mm-hmm. right? I'm going to be number one, and this book is number eight. That's right. You know, and then the worst part is when you do get the felony conviction, you were not there. No, not But yet. the first thing not that yet. happens is the banks, the banks that you've been working with for over 25 years, all of a sudden, you're your problem for them. You're mm-hmm. too high profile. And so they close out your account and then they just send you a check. It's not even, now you go to another bank and they turn around and they're like, well, they don't want you. We certainly don't want you. Jesus. And now you're walking around with a bunch of checks in your hand trying to figure out where you're going to go. But then so then you find out your credit cards are canceled, right? And then you turn around and then your mortgages because there's bad boy clauses that are in there. And then you have to start selling all your assets. And then of course you sell your assets, but then what happens if you have profit which hopefully you do, yeah. and I did, now Uncle Sam takes that money too. 
because you have a, in New York, it's a 15% tax bracket. So after now they force you to sell it, you end up paying Uncle Sam that money. So they fuck you every which way but loose. And it's insane. You sound insane. a little bit like an Oath Keeper right now. That's all I'm saying. You're a little bit with the Uncle Sam. It's, Don't dig a spider hole. You know, it's really, it's, it's terrible. And then it's, it's not just that. It's every single one down the road, you know, and they, they ruin your life. Yeah. And they enjoy not, it. They're like, ha, 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 watch the blood. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you, you do something, you're doing an artistic expression. It's like, did anybody stop Trump when he was making fun of the handicapped journalist? Of course no, not. Right? But, he, but what happens to him? Nothing. But the reason Nothing. I even took that photo was all the years of people on Facebook with the picture of Obama, you know, with a, with a noose and... Michelle, like all those. But isn't that allowed because he's black? Yes, right? it was because allowed. Because white privilege has to rule. So I thought maybe it was our turn. Right. I was ahead of my time, ahead <laughs> of my time. How'd that work out for you? I'm not too well. I'm still oh, working back. Yeah, I have a torso. I have a torso. All right. So listen, last question. We're yes. going to give this one a bonus question. For you. Okay. As host of the D-list yes. and countless hosting gigs, yes. including New Year's Eve countdown, you've oh, basically yeah. met everyone who's yes, anyone. I have. Have there been celebrities that have stuck by you and been real friends, like with the way Rosie really yeah, was to me? Yeah. It, breaks my, it breaks my heart. I mean, if I tell you the story, I'll have tears rolling. She's that sweet. Yeah. You know, when you needed them, yeah. especially at the worst time in your life. Or any others that you'd like to call out for just being plain assholes. <laughs> I mean, look, and my, don't call my out agents Harry. all dropped me. Harry stood by me. Jason called every day. He would just have just a lot of heavy breathing, but I knew it was him, and I knew he cared, and that's why we connect. Um, no, it's uh, you know, it was it was very hard. I mean, I'm not gonna lie, the Anderson Cooper thing was just hard because I just loved him. I just adored it. I mean, I, in a way, I still do, but you know, like that was I thought that was real, you know, and like the Andy Cohen thing was tough because he was my boss for so many years, and I feel like he kind of like took my gig, which was weird. Like, there's a lot of like psychological stuff where you have to try to compartmentalize, but you know, I will tell you that like. It, some sort of amazing things happened. Like, you know Aubrey Plaza, the actress in comic? She brought a casserole over, like, two nights later, which was so sweet because I was, like, hunkered down in my house. And, and hungry. And hungry. And, like, believe it or not, you're going to laugh. The night of the photo, I actually had dinner. Three girls were coming over to my house for dinner. I swear to God. And it was Melanie Griffith, Rita Wilson, Tom Hanks' wife, and Chris Jenner. So they show up at my house, it's that day. I'm in my PJs, no makeup, I'm sobbing. They're like, did something happen with you? You know, and so, and my husband's like bringing him food, like here you go, dinner's still on, don't leave ladies, don't leave. So then, you know, I'm, I'm talking to Rita because Tom Hanks has been brought into the QAnon thing and it's been a big security issue for them. So she's explaining this to Chris Jenner, who doesn't care. And so, <laughs> and one thing I remember that was, one thing that I remember was so funny was Chris kept trying to get up on like what I had done. And she was like, well, people do photo shoots all the time. That's all we do. And I was like, it's not, it's different. There's no, it's different. Anyway, so, so then, um, then uh, Rita Wilson was like, oh, Rachel Maddow talked about it. And Chris is like, who's that? And then I remember 
Rita Wilson taking out her phone, and Melanie Griffith is like, I'll airdrop it to you. And they had like Rachel Maddow's like schedule, and Chris was like, put your on lipstick, I'll, I'll look into it. And then Melanie Griffith was no help because she goes, tomorrow you should do Mike Pence's head. I'm like, no, that's horrible, horrible advice. Uh, but Chris Jenner was so funny. She goes, did you apologize? And I go, yeah, I made this like tape and I was crying and it's a fucking mess. And she goes, just apologize again with better makeup. People forget it. And I was like, well, it didn't quite work out that way. But then she goes, we apologize all the time. Just apologize. And so I was like, well, I don't have to apologize. Like, this is like the first time I've really had to like apologize. But they're just used to that for their various businesses and lawsuits. And so, but it was funny because in the midst of all that, honestly, those girls, like, were, we were laughing and stuff. And I remember that Christmas, I really, like, had nowhere to go. Like, everybody kind of ditched me. And the fucking Kardashians call, and they're like, do you want to come over Christmas Eve? I know. So, look, I know you guys get mad that I like them. And, but here's what I call them. They're kind of a victimless crime. You know what I mean? Like, they're, like, they're dumb, and they're materialistic, and they're transactional. But they, like, do it amongst them. You know what I mean? They shop too much. They don't, like, hurt anybody. You know what I mean? And they have a hell of a Christmas Eve. I mean, they all, Leo DiCaprio shows up. They all, they have to, because they're all scared of the mom. They're all scared of Chris. All right, so... That was a little long answer to probably not that question. Sorry. I'm working on material with you. All right, let's pick some questions for Kathy from the audience. So. Well, how about for the panel? Maybe there's a panel. Well, that's, that's, that's next. You got, you're skipping ahead. I'm sorry. I Fast thought it was midnight. Kathy, you are the panel. <laughs> Anyone? Kathy first, then the panel. All right. Harry, I wanted to acknowledge your cynicism about our political sphere, and I don't think that it's misplaced. And Kathy, I wanted to give you accolades for your outspokenness. Oh, thanks. But I just do wonder, I do wonder, we've got a week to go, what happens if it goes bad? What do we do besides get out the vote? What do we do besides fundraise? We've got doom and gloom in our future. What do we do? I mean, I don't expect you either to have the answer, but seriously, I think that's the existential question. And Michael, you as well. What do we do? You know, I spent last week in Washington, D.C., where they, they sort of specialize in these uh, triple bank shots. But um, the, there's at least a fair bit of something that gave me a little, a little lift, because I do think the, the house is going south. Will you stop? You've said that 17 fucking times. <laughs> I just wanted to acknowledge, because she acknowledged me. Um, there's a real strong possibility they just go too far. They're nuts, and they're, and they're totally getting whipped into a frenzy by their own um, folks. And so there's a, a um, crazy chain of events where, you know what, it's all good for 2024. Because that uh, is, uh, you know, this is, every election's been the most important of our lifetime. This one really is, but 2024 really, really is. So now, how do you how do you work for you know? So you can't make them self destruct any more than they can make themselves. Fortunately, they might, 
And then, you know, it's what Michael and everyone has said. It's, it's really like they have gotten ahead of the game, have the Republicans in the, the um, races at the, at the lowest level in states and secretaries of state. There's got to be, there's a lot of good candidates out there. there. There's that level fighting back and then just everything that comes with the 2024 um, election. You know, Democratic messaging sucks. There's no other way to describe it. It sucks. You know, continuously, if you listen on the podcast, you know, I, I'm hoping Jamie Harrison, who's running the DNC, is listening. And I'm hoping he'll take some hints from what I'm saying. The only way to beat a bully in the playground, he's got to punch him in the face. I mean, it's the only way to do it. Instead, what happens? And you have to stick together. They're not so good well, at Dems at yep, that. Right. Not at all. And what they do is... We're trying to allow the Republicans to implode based upon their stupidity and based upon the crazy that's coming from the right side. That's actually only empowers them, emboldens them even more. And that's the problem. In order for us to win, we need to get the right messaging. We can't always be the party of nice, right? You got to turn around and you just got to do to them what they did. And I tried to, I did that to Donald, right? When I looked into the camera and he was with Kim Jong-un in Vietnam. And I said to him, it's interesting that you're there in Vietnam, the place that you had your father use a fake chiropractor in order to claim that you had bone spurs in a foot that you didn't even know that you had a bone spur in and that you claimed you had surgery but you don't remember which foot. I said, makes no sense to me. So, you know, when Trump does something which is so deplorable, and it is deplorable, we need to call it out, but we need to behave in a manner that's not nice. We just can't be nice anymore. Our democracy is in peril. And if we end up losing our democracy, it's on us. Hey. Anyone? I, I'm Dash. I, great job tonight, guys. Hey, Dash. Hey, Dash. Hey, 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 what's up, everybody? Yeah. Hey, Dash. Hey. Oh, hi. Uh, no relation to cash. No, no. Uh, I had a question for Harry, actually. Um, well, it seems like, like, if... Merrick Garland knows he's already failed. Like already, the damage has been done because he's waited nearly two years, and now it's like that. The, there's armed citizens at ballot boxes. It's like, do we need to organize with like, you know, like Jewish stars around and carry our AKs to challenge him there? Or like, because I'm saying, like, if they're allowed to cheat and we have to play by the rules, but if there's no consequences for the people above, you should cheat. Because you're just better off. I mean, I'm just, I'm just asking, like, how, how do you still have faith in Merrick Garland when he's already proven that he's he's already failed and and he's already run out of time? Is he really up to the moment? Honestly, yeah. he's too weak. We, we need a pit bull like Michael Cohen. We he, <laughs> Roy Cohen. again. Sorry. I, <laughs> no, 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 no. Um, I'm I'm trying to get over that. Jewish stars and uh, and AK forty sevens, but look, um, he, look, t- take which compare what the Department of Justice does in putting together any big case. Mar-a-Lago 
a search warrant on that was two months ago. Everybody, this actually happens every week on Nicole Wallace. She's, what's taking so long? What's taking so long? (laughs) Putting together a case against the former president of the United States that, that is you know, that it has to be completely buttoned up is not the work of a Except couple weeks. Whoa, 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 whoa. When you have top secret documents sitting on a floor in empty file folders that puts our national security at risk, this is the time that the man steps up and you turn around. You don't need to do it in two months. You do it in two minutes. He, whoa, 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 whoa. He did do it in two minutes. That's one of the complications here. Normally when a search warrant like that, as happened on August 8th, is served, the next step really is U.S. versus Trump. They had to, it was excellent to get the damn documents, even though it was early in putting together a case. They are, whatever you think about January 6th, and there's you know complications there to say the least, they've moved at pretty lightning speed on Mar-a-Lago. Everybody's being put in the grand jury. They just this last week moved to make it in D.C., brought on a real pro whom they didn't have before. The wheels of justice generally grind slowly. And on your point, it's just not true that it's too late. So, you know, let's say he's indicted in the spring. You know, and let's say all everything, you know, he works it as long as he can. Even so, the timeline, the timeline does work. So I'm, I just don't see the charge. I understand the frustration and even, you know, they had a lot to do on the January 6th stuff before they went to the big guns. Maybe they could have done that differently. But I just don't see the charge against him for this Mar-a-Lago stuff. They are moving very aggressively and on two tracks at the same time. And they, they've got a big uh, grand jury practice going and they're putting together a really solid case. You don't, you just don't do that overnight, especially without, which they don't really have yet, cooperating witnesses. They spent more than a year going back and forth with the Mandarin Mussolini in order to find these documents. More than one year. All That's right? not on Merrick Garland. Well, it's certainly not on me. All right, and, it, and it's definitely not on you. And at the at the no, end no, no, of the day, yeah, it's they, more than a yeah, year in they, order to play with this guy. He dicked around for a year. That's the right. Arch- he dicked around right. the archives for a year. If it was any anybody else other than Donald Trump, you would not have been. Forget about also handcuffs. True. You would have been already indicted, and you've already been spending your first full year in prison. Well, it wouldn't have right. gone for you. End of, end Again, of, not on Merrick Garland, right? Well, no one is above they, the law, huh? and he shouldn't be either. Say it again. No one is above the law, and he shouldn't be either. Absolutely. That's right. All right, more questions from the audience. We're getting riled up here, so. (laughs) Harry does this to me, and I didn't even bring my blood pressure medicine. I'm I'm waiting for the steam. I thought we could get the steam. And and just real quick, I want to chime in on the the arming up AK-47 line of thought. Like, that that doesn't work out well in the end. I mean, if we're reacting more and more on each side, it just grows and grows. And that's not going to work out for any of us. Uh, We've got to resist that. We're just talking. We're just talking. We got another question from the audience. Hi, this is a question for Harry. Uh, my name is Laura Aylin, um in the back. Oh, hi. Uh, hey, thank you very much for Talking Feds, but, talking feds by the oh, way. I love it. Oh, thank you. You always make me feel oh, smarter. Okay. All right. <laughs> uh, question about... Let's say a former president did actually 
uh, get convicted and was sentenced to prison, what would that actually look like? Because they would have um, a Secret Service detail, apparently. I mean, how... Yeah. how that just It's odd. No so. kidding. It's one of those leave it to beaver questions. Let's just say there was a president who... By the way, I'm talking feds. Someone we're gonna, we've got, like, we're going to be here with swag in the back and that kind of stuff. Our marketing producer, Colena Tano's here. Um, it's a really... Seriously... It's a really important question. There is a lot of bloodlust in the country on the, you know, the, the, the normal people. And they're just, you think you cannot get more, you know, uh, pound of flesh after pound of flesh. But seriously, take, you know, let's, what, we have one precedent here in this country. I'm old enough to uh, have been there when Nixon was impeached. And there just couldn't have been, you know, there was a real sentiment for just drawing and drawing Quarterman and running him in the streets. And I think the national consensus is he was disgraced. And the pardon was probably the right thing, even though at the time people wanted to, to impeach for it, et cetera. So imagine the situation where, honestly, he comes forward on, in the Mar-a-Lago case, he's convicted. And by the way, even if he doesn't see jail time, because, I, look, I know there's a lot of, of fantasy or... You, know, you want to see like the Silence with, of the Lambs where yeah. he's got the mask well, it's the, it's the, he's you wanna, gurney. You like want to see what the what the hair really yeah. looks like yeah. after a night in jail. I understand. But, but, but stop for a second and think about the whole country. If he's really convicted of a serious felony and in some way he, it is clear his, his plague on this country is, well, is done except for his legatees if, you know, DeSantis or other can do it. It's going to feel different. It's really going to feel different. And we might generally think, okay, you know, we're, it's never going to be perfect justice, but it might be rough justice and a general sort of social uh, judgment that this guy was, you know, the worst president ever and is, and is not, assault not on democracy. Enough. Not good enough. What, we, what right? we could do. Okay, but so what will it feel like for the Michael Cohens of the world? Let me not tell you what we, we can do. We all have them if it's that situation. I seriously urge just to think about it for 15 seconds what it'll be like in that world it's a different world than we have now where he's been completely gotten away with everything so what we let me tell you what we can do yeah but in, does the secret service go to prison no, with him no so what there we can do is oh, oh on your question put, it's all sorry constitutional um complete tabula no one knows but he could run there's it's he could run for president from jail he, he won't have a secret, sir. That, that, that's, that's easy enough. But it's all these imponderables, uh, including, you know, what, what he could promise, I'll never run again and lie and break the deal. You know, the guy just gets levels and levels of surreality, and that it would be part of it, too. What we can do is put him in home confinement and a very strict and an ugly one where he doesn't have access to do anything. It would basically be building a cell in one of his houses across the street from Mar-a-Lardo. He can sit there with no computer. If they get, no if he gets horrors. on the telephone. No more horrors. That's, that's right, over. no more cheeseburgers. At the end, right, he can't do, he, basically he would have to you know, stay there. He could not have people coming and going at his own will. They would do something very, very strict for him. And that's the way you cannot put him in prison. And not because I don't want to see it, but more because my biggest fear is that he will sell what's in his head. Remember, for four years, he was given 
top secret classified information in debriefings. He will sell that for a can for of cigarettes for yeah. or a book of stamps. Yeah. He is the clearest and most present danger to the future of this country. So we can yeah. certainly do that. Now, let's also not forget that Noriega also went to prison. He was in Florida. So we do have somewhat of a precedent. Let me stick with that. When Noriega went, he was this tough guy, and you could see him sort of shrink in front of you. He, he would be the subject of social disgrace and historical condemnation like no other president. That's a, a lot, especially with 70% of their crazy party still, you know, wanting to supposedly we take to the, the streets. We want the El Chapo where they take his head and they turn yeah. like this. Yeah. And they, remember when they walked El right. Chapo? I want to see the head turn. I do. I just Who doesn't? Do. Thank you. But, you know, think about that world seriously. All right, all right. Thank you. Another question? So I have a question. If the Democrats lose Congress, what can the lame duck Congress do before the office changes? Increase the debt ceiling limit and confirm a shitload of judges. Amen. Just ram it right down their throats. Uh, Why are we so naive that we don't think that he's already... Uh, sold, given away, or, uh, you know, uh, all these secrets. You know, it's just, it's, it's unbelievable that we just sit here like, oh, he just kept them, and he's waiting to take them to the pawn shop when, uh, you know, when the shit blows over. I mean, come on, they, he could have given them to him when he was president. Well, let's not forget, when he was in the White House and he had the Russian um, contingency there, he showed them top secret documents from Israel. So you're right, what's to stop? That's why on August 31, once the Mar-a-Lardo raid took place, the first thing that I said is we really need to, where's Waldo, Donald, and find out every single place that the guy has been, who he spoke to, who he saw, because you're 100% correct. There is absolutely no way for us to know. And we're not supposed to not know. That's why the National Archives exists. We're supposed to know exactly where this information is. And he refuses to give it. And he's fighting it tooth and nail. If this was anybody else, they would be in prison. In fact, Reality Winner did five years for one document. This guy had hundreds and hundreds of documents. The government is not so naive. They think it, and, and that's part of the secret proceedings that have been going on right now in front of the chief judge of the district court involving him and the whole, the whole team uh, that was in Florida. And this is a big point, by the way. They are now up in D.C., and it may be a prelude for a, the Mar-a-Lago prosecution taking place in D.C. with a D.C. jury, which would be 20 times better. Back on this point, of it, you have to show it's probable that you convict. In, with, in, with a D.C. jury, you can show that. What do you think he was doing with the documents? Like, look, why did he have them? Look, why did he have them? Yeah. I've, been, I've been crystal clear. He's using it as a get-out-of-jail-free card. He will extort the United States of America in order to save his own skin. All right? that's, that's plain and simple. That's what it's all about. That's who Donald Trump is. He doesn't care about America. He only cares about what's good for him. Merrick Garland will not let that happen. Merrick Garland needs to go. 
I, th I, I think the, uh, the, you know, the lines of opinion are pretty clearly drawn now. <laughs> Do we have more questions, guys? We've got plenty of time here. Absolutely. Hi, everyone. Um, I'm Lilia. I'm a retired teacher. And God I'd bless like, you. <laughs> I'd like to know why no one seems to be listening to Mary Trump, Dr. Mary Trump. She has a doctor. She says he's a malignant narcissist. Everything points to that. Hello, why isn't... Why isn't uh, anyone aware of it? Is it he's because the minute someone says something, I'm really honest, not they sure attack. That, right. I'm I really mean, not sure that there's anyone in the world that doesn't believe he's a malignant narcissist and a sociopath. So it's not like she's telling us something we already don't know. I mean, do we need to put up billboards here in L.A., right, on, on Wilshire that says Donald is a malignant narcissist? We all know that. We also know he's a sociopath. Like they seem to like that about him for some reason. They he, think it's, he's a strong man or whatever that's about. Jason, what about your crowd? Your old crowd. They used to like that, right? Like, did they think he was yeah. like a machismo guy, or what was that about? Well, I mean, it, again, it ties back to people that are fairly disenfranchised with their life and what's going on with it, and these people tap into it. You know, it, 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 there's, it's just, I think it's something in our wiring um, that they're able to use this propaganda to kind of really capitalize on. Hi, you, you are four of the most different people. <laughs> how, how did you all connect? I don't even have a criminal record. How, how did you? Well, that's part I of it. I look like I've been in jail, but You've I've never, never been, been arrested once. But I'm, I'm the only felon on the stage. Uh, how, how, did you, how did you all meet Michael, or what is the connection between everyone? Well, Rosie was certainly for Kathy. Yeah. And Harry, um, I've had him on my podcast on multitude of times and I've had Jason uh, as well right after um, he testified we reached out to him and his people and I wanted to give him a platform because I understand what he's going through I don't understand Harry at all and I don't understand why we even have him on the fucking podcast anymore but you know I, I, I don't understand it either you know <laughs> why don't you have me on talking feds I'll tell you that one um Sure, I, and and Kathy, Kathy, Kathy came through. Kathy's famous for her dinner parties, one of which yeah, I Kathy was. came I know to Harry Rosie from, O'Donnell. Uh, he's been to the house for dinner. In fact, there was almost a fist fight because Lipman, who cannot control his temper, almost was throwing fists with uh, Lincoln Banlow of the uh, UCLA Conservative First Amendment. Alan Isaacman was there, and. Um, Ben, was that guy Roy That's what Black? I get for defending you, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was fun. Lively conversation. Oh, we got time for two more questions, so uh, get your hands yep. up. Uh, two quick ones. Uh, really, one for Harry. Um, do you think we can get anything out of Lindsey Graham in Georgia or not? And Jason, uh, with this miserable, dangerous DeSantis, will the Oath Keepers just fall in line behind him? Well, there's something interesting happening in Florida that I think we really need to pay attention to with that private security force because militias as they are now, they're, they're illegal. They've got to be sanctioned. And Mary McCord from Georgetown Law actually is one of the, the leading people talking about this. Um, I do speaking engagements where I, I go around with Georgetown Law and talk with like prosecutors and stuff. And DeSantis right now, he's, he's creating this private security force, at least before the hurricanes and stuff. But that's a scary notion because then it's no longer illegal. So it's just this, you know, they're, they're capitalizing on that, that threat of violence and, and legitimizing it to do whatever they want. And there's no real check and checks and balances beyond the governor. So that's something to me that that's very scary. Actually, I'm, I'm writing a, uh, uh, 
speculative fiction piece that kind of takes us, if shit just keeps going the way it's going, what, what does the world look like in 15 years? Um, so so do the Oath Keepers like DeSantis, or is he like not disruptive enough, or are they just... Well, you know, it's, 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 these are kind of insidious relationships in that, you know, like, look at Stewart and Alex Jones. Like, they went for years where they just wouldn't talk to one another. They wouldn't, you know, it all started at this, uh, the Second Amendment rally at the Alamo. And they got into, like, this dick measuring contest and, and pissed off at each other. And, like, there was no mention, no mention of, on either, of either one for, like, two years, three years. And then once something comes around where, it's in, you know, everybody's best interest. They're buddy-buddy again, you know. It's just like, you know, Stuart's back on InfoWars, just like nothing ever happened. And this, this happens a lot in these communities. So, you know. Lindsey Graham, normal pattern for these Cretans is delay, delay, fight everything, then take the fifth. To me, it's a political calculation, but I don't think it's so easy for him to take the fifth as a sitting senator. So, he, you know, he, he might get a little do-not-recall-itis and prevaricate, but th- th- those calls, and there are witnesses on it if he lies, um, are, um, pr- are, are pretty incendiary. I think, he, I think he winds up answering and giving some, giving something up. He can't, he can't completely bob and weave his way out of it, I think. All right, you guys have been a great audience. One more question here for the panel. Make oh. it a good one. Okay, uh, Kathy, you're brilliant. Thank you for, for everything you do. You're, you're hilarious. Well, thank you. That's yeah. a question? Woo! That's a comment. I agree. No, my, my Can question you do a little is, dance? No, anything, yes. <laughs> my question is for Jason, actually. I was wondering what specifically... Uh, you did. <laughs> <laughs> what, what specifically were the Oath Keepers trying to accomplish on January 6th? Like, what, what were they hoping to achieve by storming the Capitol? And... Also, where were you on that day? What were you doing? So, so I was in my living room. So I, I've been away from the Oath Keepers for well over five years. Um, the only reason they then brought me in uh, on January 6th is because I was able to give kind of a historic perspective um, of the radicalization process kind of going from Bundy Ranch through to January 6th. But I've been out of the game for, you know, over five years. Um, so I was on. I, w- I was sitting and watching it in my living room. Um, Did you know anyone? Uh, no. So so again, you have you have, and they greatly expand kind of the membership roles and stuff. But what you tend to have is people will come out, they'll check it out and and see what's going on, and a lot of them will move away from it. You know, you see this with the board of directors too, where you know people come in on a honeymoon period, and then they'll they'll see that kind of what Stewart's actions are as opposed to what his messaging is are two different things a lot of times. And he kind of just does his own thing. I think it's largely ego-driven. I think he saw it as a way to become this kind of this character of this this, uh, clandestine paramilitary leader. Um, And, you know, at first he wasn't even going to vote for Trump. He wasn't going to vote at all. Like, I was still in contact with him on the election day. I was like, look, man, you got to go fucking vote. Like, you're supposed to be the leader of this patriot organization. Um, And, uh, but I think what he saw with Trump was opportunity to, to kind of have a sense of legitimacy and, and, you know, saw a, a road forward that would allow him to kind of become authentic in that that kind of fantasy he had of being this paramilitary leader. But it just didn't work. Thankfully, it didn't work out. This time. 
Well, he is going to jail for the rest of his life, I think. Hey, have they arrested Jay Johnston yet? You guys, did you know there's a fucking Jay Sixer in L.A.? Yes. Jay Johnston from, like, Mr. Show and Bob's Burgers, he turned into a MAGA. I know, I've known him for years. I haven't seen him for a while, but... So, he showed up, and he was on the... He's still on the most wanted list. But I heard my friend Ken saw him at Target, but he got scared and just filmed him and then ran. And we'll take one more question. (laughs) All right, guys, thank you so much. Jason Van Tatenhove, Harry Lindman, Kathy Griffin, thank you, thank you, thank you. Mea Culpa is brought to you by Audio Up, Midas Touch, and LSJ Media, written by Jimmy Jelinek and Paula Killen. Our editor and managing producer is Lisa Orkin. Our executive producers are Jared Gustad, Jimmy Jelinek, and myself, Michael Cohen, along with Phil Alberstadt. It may be a new day politically, but nowadays the landscape is more confusing than ever. Donald Trump may have lost the battle for the presidency, but in many ways, Trumpism is still winning the war on the state and local level. Maya Culpa is here to help guide you through the wilderness and keep you informed. And let's face it, we all want Trump, Rudy, and the rest of these seditious traitors to see justice. And folks, I promise you, it's coming. So stay tuned as I guide you through the twists and turns of the criminal process that will ultimately see them behind bars. Maya Culpa, nothing but the truth. Don't cry for me.